Hello, everybody. Bibbs here. Uh, this is an episode of The Two Shot, which normally airs on the Schmoes No podcast feed. Uh, this was a Christmas episode, and over the holidays, uh, everyone just got really, really busy. And as a result, the Christmas episode is a little late, and it turns out the best place to run it is right here on the critically acclaimed network. So thank you, everybody, uh, for checking out the podcast. If you haven't tried this one yet, you can find more episodes on the Schmoes No podcast feed. And uh, thank you, everybody, for enjoying a Christmas episode a couple of days late. Uh, we hope you had a really happy holiday, or at the very least, a couple of really good days in the middle of the week. Uh, enjoy the show! Hello everybody, and welcome back to The Two Shot! Your Christmas punchy podcast for all the Christmassy punchies you could possibly want. My name is William Bibiani. I am a film critic for The Rap and Bloody Disgusting, and everybody calls me Bibbs. <laughs> good, good, good words you got there. Thank you. Mr. Film Critic. My name is Whitney Seibold. I'm the critic guy as well. <laughs> right for that website he plays. Uh, it, is, it is Christmas break. Um, hopefully this episode airs before Christmas. Technically, our show is usually airing on Thursdays, but it's a Christmas episode. Maybe we can get out a little early. Christmas is on a Wednesday this year. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Whitney's off for the for the Christmas break. We're recording this a few days early. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all uh, we're all just getting ready, getting snuggled up, getting, yeah. all, getting all Christmassy. Yeah. We're about to exchange presents, actually, after this podcast yeah, is we're, over. We're in a big fleece blankies, and we're drinking yeah. cocoa, and... Got my fuzzy, goofy pajamas watching on. Jack Frost roast on the open fire. <laughs> Chipmunks roasting yeah. on an open fire. Nice and crunchy. Alvin Simon Theodore. <laughs> that's got to be Bob Rivers. I, I know yeah, right. that, that's just an old family joke. I don't know where oh, we got okay. it from. We might have just made it up. Uh, but yeah, this is this is our uh, our second Christmas episode. We wanted to get in uh, sort of a little two punch of Christmas for you. Yeah, well, uh, again, we had to record a bunch of stuff early, and uh, as a result, what we decided was our big Christmas poll for the worst Christmas movies ever and the actual worst Christmas movies ever. Not like, not that- oh, what about Santa Claus Conquers the Martians? Too good. It's well, too good a movie. We've seen that. You've seen that one. No, no, we wanted to use some real crap. Uh, so we decided that the two winners, the top two winners of our Christmas poll, we would do one uh, the last week, and we would do one this week. And last week, you chose Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny, which, good for you. That one sucks. Yeah. That, Some oh, really oh. bad movies with that was. And... Uh this uh, this week's selection ain't no ain't no rosy choice either. I would it's, argue it's slightly more watchable, but just as inexplicable. More, well, more inexplicable. Well, no, maybe not. Insanity <laughs> <laughs> the Ice Cream Bunny is, is just baffling insanity, but this in- one is also baffling insanity. Inexplicable in a different way. Yeah. Um, uh, this is a horror movie mm-hmm. uh, called Elves. From 1989. It is about one elf. 1989. Yeah, it's called Elves. It's about one elf. It is about a... In the abstract, it is about a plan that was going to involve more elves, but there's one elf in the movie. Yeah. The elf is played by a, a pretty well-sculpted uh, rubber statue of a, the head and shoulders of an elf. But it is completely inarticulated, mm. so every time you cut to it, it's only got one face. It, yeah, it has this weird sort of, uh, th- there's no other way to say it, it's got a sex doll face. It has like this <laughs> this gaping open mouth, this kind of blank expression. Its eyes do swivel. Well, because there, there's a person under there, but yeah. No, no, it's a puppet. It's always a puppet? I thought it's, there was a person under the mask. Oh, good. No, it's not a mask. It's a puppet. Okay. Yeah, no, it's no, not much of a puppet. Nobody plays the elf. They had just the head and shoulders of this puppet. They had some feet as well. Okay. You never see it in full body. <clears throat> but yeah, it's a little uh, little monster elf. Now, the premise of elves... Get ready. ...is confusing. Okay, look, uh, I, think look, be, I think we better just so walk people through the so movie. It, it opens with a coven of three young women. Mm-hmm. I think they're supposed to be teenagers. They are. Okay, teenagers who want to go out and find just the right spot in the woods to engage in a Wiccan ritual decrying Christmas. Yeah, they want to evoke the anti-Christmas. Well, you know, as in anti-Christ. Well, yes. Anti-Christ mass. Uh, So they all go off into the woods Mm. and they speak these words that they made up and uh, they have, like, sexy drawings that they Mm. made up and in the process of just Uh, giving a bunch of shitty Christmas things... As it so happens, they were sitting right on the spot 
where that where something would happen. Yeah. So uh, one of them accidentally gets cut. The blood falls on the ground, mm. and it raises right after they leave. A creepy elf. Creepy elf out of like, the ground. Green monster looks a little it's, bit like an orc from World of Warcraft. It's, it's just kind of a kind of a weird pinky kind it's of a fle- fleshy thing. looking monster thing. Yeah, it's 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 bold. It's bald. It's got pointy ears. It's kind of slimy looking. It's got fangs. Like we said, its face doesn't move. Yeah, and yeah, they they resurrect a monster elf out of the ground. She goes home. Mm-hmm. And it turns out her home life is a very special kind of nightmare. She uh, she lives in a really abusive home. Think of the home uh, that young Michael Myers was growing up in in Rob Zombie's Halloween. Worse than that. <clears throat> a little bit worse than that because there's a lot of like icky sexual stuff going on as well. Okay, so she's got a grandfather uh, who is kind yeah. of out of it, and we're going to learn a lot more about him he's later. A, a wheelchair-bound German grandma, grandpa. Her mother, who's only 16 years older than her, uh, resents the shit out of her, and, and when she comes insults home, insults her and hates her constantly. When yeah. she comes home a little late one night, uh-huh. the mother decides to punish her daughter. The daughter's name is Kirsten, played by Julie Austin. She decides to punish her daughter. Here's what happens when this teenager uh, is a little late from curfew. Mm. She decides to cancel the teenager's savings account. <laughs> <laughs> Which she started herself and has been working for at a department store. She just takes all of her money. Mm-hmm. Later on, to punish her daughter further, she murders her daughter's cat. By drowning it in a toilet. Yeah. She, the, and the, mom, and the we, cat is fine. The cat is, the cat is clearly not injured. But we do see the cat in a, like the bag, which supposedly uh-huh. has a cat in it. And, she, and it's yeah, put, really fucking fucked up to watch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, just not drown. pleasant because, at all. Yeah, we we get to see the cat drowning in explicit detail. And Without a series again, of shots, not an actual cat, but yeah, still, just a, a cat drowning scene. It's upsetting. Yeah. It's really upsetting. Yeah. So her- also, also, she has a little brother who has never learned the word boundaries and keeps trying to spy on her in the shower and talking mm. about how he's going to brag to all of his friends about how he saw his sister naked, mm. which. Um, I don't think your friends are going to take away from that what you think they're going to take away from that, kid. I, I, uh, I your friends an, are going to have a different take on that. I have an older sister. Yeah, A lot of my friends had older sisters. Sure. We never had conversations like that. That's not a thing. About our older sisters. It's, not, I don't think it should be a thing, yeah. that's for certain. So, all, all, everything, like... Harry Potter had it better than our protagonist. Like, <laughs> like Harry Potter, like Harry Potter, like had a nice little space where he could sleep. Yeah, and like this is they, this, they actually gave him toys sometimes. This, he got to go to the zoo. This young girl's life is fucking hell, and mm. on top of it all, uh-huh. an elf is attacking. There's an elf is stalking her. Uh, the the elf like her. breaks into the house and attacks mm. the little brother, and the mom assumes it's the cat, which is why she kills the cat. And but the brother is just like you don't understand. It was like a ninja gremlin. Which accurate description? Ninja, Pretty, not, nin, not, nin, ninja Gremlin. You're not wrong. This this was I get, Gremlins was '84. This was oh yeah, Gremlins was already so it was, it was, part was of the a huge hit. Yeah. Gremlins was a hit. We people know it. But pre pre Gremlins two elves came out. Yeah, uh, Gremlins two by the way, one of the best sequels ever made. Yep. Uh, totally 100 percent agree. Meanwhile, and she also has her two friends that she went out and did this sort of Wiccan ritual with. Mm-hmm. And here's what I appreciate: there's a scene where. They decide to break into a closed department store and just sort of like try on clothes and bum around in the department store at night. Yeah, it's where Kirsten yeah. works. She's mm. not making any money from it anymore anyway because her mom's stealing her whole salary. Mm. So she decides to they're going to invite mm. some boys over and they're going to have a sexy sleepover mm. in the department store at night. Now, okay, sexy sleepover. We see that 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 was the premise of Chopping Mall. Uh, but from, 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 from a lot of a lot movies. of different movies, in fact. Yeah. There is a weird kind that, keep in mind, this movie has been like desperate and horrible and abusive up to this point. So uh-huh. the scenes where they're finally in the department store together and they're kind of talking frankly about, oh, should we have sex with these boys? I don't really know. Yeah. Oh, good. We get to sort of hang out there. They're, uh, we'll get to this, but they're busted by Dan Haggerty and he says, oh, you guys can stay here. And they're kind of relieved. That felt so warm to me. It felt human. That, that there's this kind of warm friendship that these girls have. Like the, she actually has an escape yeah. with with her friends who are you know they're 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 just dumb. Ju- they're just dumb kids. They're dumb kids they're and they're jumping around kids. in lingerie and it's like yeah. exploitation I, movie. But I like them fine. I like these characters. Some mo- small moments of humanity in those scenes in this movie that is devoid of it. All of those people are going to die really yeah. horribly, by the way, in a way no. that makes you feel betrayed for ever being convinced to like them. The um, the protagonist, I think, is supposed to be. That Dan Haggerty character. Well, it's at least a twofer. It's it's uh, uh, it's Kirsten and Dan Haggerty. Yeah, yeah. Dan Haggerty uh, plays a, a character a. named Mike. Grizzly Adams. Yeah. yeah, he was famous for playing Grizzly Adams. 
big, just a big burly guy with a beard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a former detective who has <laughs> fallen on hard times. Unfortunately, the guy who runs the department store, mm-hmm. um, I guess he did some detecting for the department store once. So he comes to the department store looking for a job, and they're like, we don't need a detective. And he's like, I know, you're a department store. I'll take literally anything, I need a job. And it turns out the department store Santa that they got Mm -hmm. was a creep. A really gross like, creep. He he would flirt with uh, all the like the teenage girls would do would go visit the Santa for a, a larf for a goof, yeah. And, and he, he made would, it really and creepy. And, and he made, yeah, like say really like horrendously sexual things to them. And mm. from what I understood, the teenage girls did that to draw him out specifically. Like they knew he was a creep. I hope that's the case. And they were actually, kind of vague. It's like we, we got to see this guy. He's a total creep. He's going to say some creepy thing to you. Like that's part of their sport. I guess I, it's really confusing. It's really a lot of things are confusing. <laughs> like, why is this? Why is our protagonist against Christmas anyway? Like, you mm. think that would be like kind of an escape for her? But no, I guess she hates Christmas. Opening oh, scene well, she, that never comes up again. She, any kind of family gathering has got to be tough for her because family but, is horrible. It just seems like a weird thing yeah. to like build your whole story around and then never bring up more than once. Mm. But in any case, Dan but Haggerty Dan, comes in to replace that guy Dan, as Santa. Claus. Poor Dan Haggerty, it, like he's on ludes or something. Like he is just he does not look completely zonked out throughout this entire movie. Looks he, he's asleep. actually pretty genuine, which is which is kind of appreciative. Like he's, he's just got genuine, a nice, but he's really really low energy to the point oh, where yeah. you're, you're not. You can tell he's not. Committed to this thing. There's a there's a one of my favorite like little details in this is when he first meets the Kirsten character. She like works in like mm. the food court at this department store. Like they have a donut parlor or whatever. Yeah, and um, he's just he hasn't been hired or nothing yet. He's just there. He's there with a cup of coffee and a carton of cigarettes. No, no book, no nothing. And it's just like, I guess that's his day. <laughs> He's going to drink coffee and smoke cigarettes and all day. Just smoke an entire carton of cigarettes in this department store. Watch people buy donuts. There's there's a weird kind of Jacques Tati style piece to that. <laughs> gonna smoke cigarettes and watch the people it's super weird i know he's hired to be the mall santa he doesn't have anywhere to go so when they're not when no one's looking he actually sleeps in the basement Mm. and he sleeps next to the chalk outline of the creep santa who has been murdered by the elf Mm. and dan haggerty finds himself staring at the chalk outline he names it which i think is funny i think it's his roommate (laughs) and he starts and he has this weird moment he has this weird moment where he's looking at the chalk Uh. outline and he's just like no i can't I can't do any more detecting. I'm not a detective anymore. I'm not even a department store detective. I gotta, I gotta clear my head. I can't, I can't do any more detecting. It's too much detecting. I can't do it. And he leaves. I gotta clear my head. It's one hell of a thing. Anyway, he's spending the night at the department store. That's, no one that's knows his he's Olivier there. Moment. Spending the night at the department store. The girls are spending the night at the department store. They run into each other, and they all agree we're none of us are supposed to be here. As long as no one steals anything Don't or gets yeah. us into trouble, Don't steal we're all anything. just going to let it Clean slide. up after yourselves. I'm crashing here, too. And that uh-huh. is when the killer Nazis arrive. And he's not kidding. There's a group of murderous Nazis who show up. They show up to visit the grandfather. And it turns out that Kirsten is part of a prophecy, and so is the elves. They show up to the department uh, store. They brutally, hmm. like, shoot, like, the nicest one of her friends in the head. It's it's really awful. It's really yeah. graphic and terrible. And, like, the actual <clears throat> gunshot is off camera. But they, like, linger on the body in this really frank, mm. like, crime scene photography way. Yep. But it's just really just, like, you're trying to have fun with how stupid this movie is. Because it's obviously stupid. And it's going to get dumber. We haven't even gotten to oh, the plot. Oh, no, no. The, the actual plot. Yeah, we haven't the even gotten reveal. to the craziness yet. Well, there, there's uh, we get a, uh, an exposition scene. Okay, well, just real fast. And, just like, yeah. it's just, you're trying to have fun. You can't because it's too gross. There's a huge shootout. You're waiting for more elf mayhem. There's been a little. Yeah. There's a shootout in the department store between Dan Haggerty and mystery Nazis. Meanwhile, the elf is running around attacking people as well. Yeah. What no, the fuck? That, no, that, and that sounds like, you know, like, a lot of fun schlocky B movie type of mayhem, but yeah. it's, it's 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 just that right kind of budget where they're not going for broke and doing like really cheesy cheap looking stuff and just spilling a lot of blood for the sake of it. Yeah, because they're trying to look like a real movie. So, but they don't have the budget to like really conv- like make a gunfight really convincing. Yeah, in with like an A or a B movie budget, so yeah. it, it just looks like this awkward, darkly lit. 
just gross thing where a lot of people are dying and this unconvincing rubber monster is running around. Anyway, there's a big shootout. A bunch of people die at the department store. The police show up and they're like, well, that shouldn't happen. And Dan Haggard's like, like yeah. <laughs> and um, it turns out that as Dan Haggerty decides to do some investigating into the elf and the Nazis. Mm. Oh dear God! Okay, so <laughs> well, uh, the elf we get we get an exposition scene. He goes to he finds a symbol, and he needs to go to like a cryptographer or yeah. like a, a, a symbologist, symbologist, or, yeah, or a demonologist, someone for. who knows a lot about so, yeah, mythology. And, and they go to the one actor in in this movie who is fully committed to his role. Yeah. The one actor who's the ex- doing what they need to be doing. The exposition guy. I'm going to look up this actor's name because you, bless him. You got to respect yeah. the exposition guy or gal. Professor O'Connor, played by an actor named Paul Rohrer. And Paul Rohrer uh, is doing his job. He's doing his job. He is enthused. He is articulate. Mm-hmm. He has this wonderful library set that he gets to walk around in with confidence. Yeah. And he gets to deliver really, really ridiculous exposition to Dan Haggerty with complete and utter confidence. I've always said that there is one role in a movie I've always wanted. I'm not an actor. I think mm-hmm. I'm an okay performer, maybe, but I'm not an actor. I'm not a good actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one role in a movie I've always wanted, and it's to be the guy in the Airbud movie mm-hmm. who, when Airbud starts playing the sport, walks in with a clipboard <laughs> and says, ain't, ain't, no no rule, rule, yeah. ain't no rule says a dog can't play badminton or whatever the hell the sport is this month ain't no dog ain't no curling dog yeah ain't no rule that says a dog can't do curling like mm-hmm. i just want to be that guy and then i i'm into the background i'm a phantom you never see or hear from me again until like movie four where it turns out i was a mad scientist which is actually what happened to the first guy who played that role and he showed up again <laughs> in Airbud four as a mad scientist That's right he did weird the second role i've mm-hmm. always wanted is the funny coroner the, fu- the funny pathologist is one of my favorite characters yeah. in, in these kinds of, types of movies. They have to go look at a dead body. The guy who has examined the dead body like lifts the sheet, tells them about why this murder weapon was super weird, or and there's then, some inexplicable thing about the death. And then the makes like, some really grim joke, and everybody yeah. goes, or, ah, it's just my job. Or yeah. worse, they're eating over the corpse, and it's just like, oh, what a weird exposition. Like, oh, that's I, a great character. Oh, gosh, too. there's something in their lung. Oh, wait, that's just a pickle. Hum, 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 hum. Yeah. yeah. I've actually seen that in a movie. <laughs> Uh, number three, because it's a little more dialogue and I'm not sure I could sell it well, but I think I'd have fun, mm. is the crazy exposition guy. Like, yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio in Sinister is, like, my favorite version of this, because he literally phones it in over Skype. <laughs> you got yourself a, gab- a gab- bagool problem. A, a bagool problem. Guy sells yeah. a gabool. Just come in, it's like, well, actually, in ancient Sumerian text, yeah, bagool like, is... Oh, oh yeah, it, like, he, he sees the uh, the symbols, like, oh, yes, that's an old one, come here, let me show you in this book. And yeah. it's, an, it's about this big ancient Nazi cult, the Nazis were very strange, because, uh, like, you'd, you'd almost call them quaint if they weren't maniacs, you know, he like, has, actually yeah. has some li- really interesting lines of dialogue. Yeah. He explains that this weird th- symbol this weird is symbol actually is, where yeah. the Nazi swastika comes from. And it's part of this bigger magical cult that was trying to create a pure type of being. Using, using elves. Using elves. And he's like, oh, yes. And it was about these homunculus. Colloquially, we'd call them elves. And he gets to walk off the room. Mm-hmm. That scene is so engaging. <laughs> Because it makes, for a split second, this really batshit crazy movie seem somewhat plausible. Like, that one guy is, at, for a, just a minute... <sighs> Relatively he's not, plausible. He's not saving the film. No. But for a moment, this movie seems like it's kind of a real movie. And then, and then, so the whole thing is, Nazis raised this elf. The elf is so a, Nazis made the elf Nazis, back in the 40s. Nazis made the elf in the 40s. Yeah. The elf has been waiting for just the right time. The, mo- the, the elf... Isn't just an elf. Mm. The elf is a repository for Nazi Nazi genes. For Nazi genes, I'm gonna put yeah, it that the, way. The Aryan, the, yeah, he's yeah. like the pure Aryan gene, and he is designed to have sex with a pure Aryan virgin, who mm. it turns out is not only supposed to be Kirsten, but Kirsten, in order to keep the bloodline pure. <laughs> Kirsten is her grandfather's daughter. Have you seen Chinatown? Um, Yeah, if you've seen Chinatown, you know where we're going here. It's repulsive. It's it's repulsive. There's this big reveal that uh, it turns out that her grandfather is also her father and that her mother is also her sister. Which explains Uh, why her mother has been going through a lot. And I'm actually increasingly sympathetic. She's done monstrous things. And and indeed. But she's clearly been through a lot. Yeah, and and that... (laughs) 
And there is a moment where she gets this. Uh, I mean, it's unfortunately during like this big titillating nude scene, but oh, yeah. it's supposed to be where she's really kind of tortured by all of this because it's all yeah. come out. She's putting on. It's she's, like that yeah. scene in Weld at Heart where she's yeah, putting on all the yeah, makeup. She's putting on the makeup and she's going and, and you know. It, it, it again, it's it's in a B movie kind of exploitative way where it's like, oh, and she's nuts, and we're gonna see her disrobe. It's like, and then the and then the elf kills her by dropping a radio in a bathtub. Yeah, cool. Uh, the it's, more it's so crap, this movie's Dan, so disgusting. Dan Haggerty goes up to like the 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 professor guy in the middle of his Christmas dinner yeah. and demands at gunpoint that he explain more elf and Nazi stuff yeah. in front of the dude's kids. Mm-hmm. Weird. He gets in a car chase with the with the Nazis, and I think does he die because he vanishes from the movie. He, no, by I, the I, end. I think he escapes. The but, daughter and the, and the little brother, like they they escape, well, the, the, and they're the, the like mo- the mom has the moment where the truth has to come out. It's like, why don't you ask your father? Father's dead. No, your father is your grandfather. The father is in the living room. Grandpa's in the living room. That's the because they're oh, it's so terrible. Yeah. And the Nazis attack, and she ends up running. Fr- her and the little brother end up running from the elf in oh. the woods, and then she finally realizes that if she stabs the woods with a big red thing, which I don't remember ever being important, the elf will die. And so it does, but uh, not. It's, it's a MacGuffin-y action conclusion, and everything seems like it's fine, except in the credits, the closing credits for the movie are about an unborn elf that is apparently That's inside right. her body. Because the, the elf did like ravish her briefly. Apparently, I guess off camera. Or no, it didn't happen. We got to see eh, it. Okay. Like, I was, you know what? I was trying to pretend it didn't happen. Yeah, because it's, it's fucking disgusting. It's really disgusting. It's <sighs> so bad. Then this was 1989, so you'd think yeah. that filmmakers would know better at this late point, but there was this entire period, I guess it still happens sometimes, in really low-budget films where they try to squeeze like sex and TNA into a horror movie. Uh-huh. And this is why you know, have like couples and campers and they go out and they have sex and an, then an, they're and then they're murdered by some outside like, monster. Like Psycho was had a scary shower scene and the whole reason is because in a shower you're vulnerable. You're, you're cornered, vulnerable. you're naked, yeah. you're wet. But, like, but it was also titillating because we had sort of that, vul- that just, voyeurism scene. Just and, yeah, a little yeah. bit because Psycho no one had ever really done that before but you mm. know the difference between a movie where someone enters the shower because we're going to explore how vulnerable we are in that kind of space mm. and when someone takes a shower literally just for nudity You've all seen a horror movie like this. Somebody just takes a shower purely for nudity. No reason for it whatsoever. Just any excuse. It's It's tawdry as fuck. It's it's tawdry. And in like a shower scene, presumably everybody knows what's going on. It's a shower. You're just going to show nude bodies. Yeah. The actress has signed off on this. Yeah. They're... The audience is being exploited. Everybody's yeah. in on this dirty little joke yeah. that that we're putting in this. In, that's in the, the movie. idea there's, anyway. Yeah. But there's a the dark side of that is when the filmmakers try to get their TNA into the movie via sexual violence. Yeah, that's never cool. It's never cool, and no. it, it always plays disgusting. I, I don't. You can tell that, may, maybe you can tell, I don't know, that the people aren't really into it. I would hope so. Yeah, that yeah. the, the, they're not... They're not trying the, to sell this as erotic. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. we need some eroticism, but we also need violence. Why don't we just throw them in the same scene? Because Th- then you ruin the eroticism yeah, and yeah. the violence. Like, you can't even enjoy the violence at that mm. point, because it's not it's not abstract anymore. It's, like, exactly, incredibly, exactly. like, intense the, and painful. This movie, I think, I think, it's hard to tell, because what the fuck is this movie? Yeah. Uh, is is trying to titillate the audience in a lot of ways because there's a lot of talk about sex. There's shots of uh, the young women in, in their lingerie. There's yeah, there's lingerie, but like peeping and spying and uh, all yeah. of these things. But that, it's always plays perverse. It's it's really perverse. It, it has like sort of the trappings of things that might approach a sexual fantasy, when, but it's we're, we're, a dark mirror version of those things. The whole department store scene where they're having like the department. Mm. Store, I thought the whole movie was going to be the department store sleepover. Which would have been fine. Which would have been fine. fine. Yeah, That's a perfectly same. okay setup for a movie. Mm. You're stuck in a department store on like Christmas Eve mm. with a killer elf. Mm. I've heard worse ideas for movies. You could totally make a fun movie out of that. Yeah. Um, when it's just our our hero and her two friends and they've invited boys over and they're trying on the lingerie and one of them goes way overboard on the lingerie and both her friends are just like, Really? You're just going to greet him dressed like that? Like, you know, play a little hard to get? Like, you're just... You're... To be fair, she puts on so much lingerie, she's completely covered again. Uh, true, but it's like, I it's know, so... She's like $3,000. But she, like, presents herself to the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And that's obviously in the spirit of good fun. 
Yeah. The actress seems to like she's having fun with it. And, I look good in this. And, and the, <laughs> other char- the other the other characters take the piss out of it a little yeah, bit. It's a little yeah. it's a it's all like the, it, it's still it's still the kind of sleazy, is, but at least is, everyone yeah, is the, on board. The reveal is still gratuitous, but it's in, like you said, it's in good fun. It, it, it all seems to be in good fun. And then that specific character is shot in the head, and then no, we get crime scene yeah. photography imagery of it. So yeah, they don't they like they have the idea of what's supposed to be like naughty. Mm. Like, oh, well, we shouldn't be doing this in a movie. But they have no sense of why it would be fun to watch that. Yeah. And, like they, end up, and they end up doing like they're, they're things they're that aren't angry, fun at all. They're angry at the fact that they're making this movie. It's, it's, a, very, it's a very wrathful film. It's like they're mad at you for watching it. Yeah. Oh, you, oh, you want to see a Christmas movie? Mm-hmm. What's the Christmas, Christmas horror, horror movie about movie? elves? Well, we'll make it really horrid. We're going to make it the most unpleasant experience <laughs> you could possibly have <laughs> while watching. And I've seen a lot of Christmas horror movies. Yeah. I've seen a lot. I did a whole, like a whole series about them. Like mm. I've seen a lot of them, and a lot of them are shitty. It's a lot of shitty horror movies. There was another one on the list called "Don't Open Till Christmas," which had one of the most legendarily awful productions in like movie history, <laughs> and the result is a movie that's barely watchable. Like mm. it's a really bad movie. It doesn't offend the the, the sense of taste mm. the way Elves does. And on top of being tasteless, because we've all seen tasteless movies that are in spite of or even because of themselves, because the people who made them have a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. We've all seen tasteless that's fun. Yeah. Like yeah, there's a tasteless John, joke, but it's it's told well and it doesn't yeah, really John, hurt anybody and it's John, just in bad taste. John Waters. John Waters. Everything, made, he, does, everything turned, he does is in bad taste, but you, you're on board with everything. You want to see where good taste and bad taste really collide? John Waters movies. John Waters He knows movies, exactly yeah. the right tone. Because he loves the people who would be in, who would be in tasteless stories, but at the same time, he is deliberately trying to gross you out. Yeah, Pink Flamingos is disgusting to this day. Sure, I've actually never seen that one, but that's a, but I've seen a, plenty of examples that are perfect. You know what's in Wallace. it. You've heard what's in it. I'm I sure. know. <laughs> Michelle, my wife and partner, just walked past me and just and just gave me a thumbs up, like the Pink Flamingos. Like I guess we're watching that later. But, uh, <laughs> cool. It's not a Christmas. <laughs> Female Trouble is a Christmas movie. Okay. Oh, is it? It is. Okay, cool. I'll have to check that one out. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Elves is just strikingly unpleasant. Mm. It is increasingly getting a cult reputation. People are discovering just, it, it, doing it, videos about it online. It's just because of how crazy it is. Oh, but yeah. It's, again, it's it's like one of those things where it, like you're getting drunk and it's kind of fun. It's really ridiculous. It's got all these really horrible ideas and this weird incest plot twist that you know doesn't make it more fun. So you can kind of laugh at the movie a lot. Yeah. Um, this isn't the kind of cult movie where people have like a secret affection for it, like Rocky Horror. No, it feels or, you know, it feels like something you're supposed to like. Mm. It's like an endurance test. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you're just supposed to like you throw this in in a Christmas mm. marathon to keep people awake at yep. like two a.m. because exactly, it's so fucking weird. Exactly. Uh, if you're yeah. wa- but if you're watching this by yourself, as I did, you're only gonna see how unpleasant it is. Yeah, it's like not if you're, a if you're fun drinking one and to, joking. Yeah. It can be fun. If but not, if, it's if you're terrible. drinking home alone, then you're just gonna be depressed at the end of it. Uh, it is not. A, it was released on VHS. Mm. It has never been released on DVD or Blu-ray, to the best of my knowledge, not officially anyway. Mm. Um, and one of the things that I love about this podcast is that we can do our part to help films that are almost completely unavailable uh, find an audience. People can talk about them online, mm. uh, request them. This is the perfect kind of movie that a distribution service like uh, Vinegar Syndrome or even Scream Factory should be finding and introducing to the world because although it is terrible... Mm. It sure is something. <laughs> this is not something that yeah, you're going to forget. Yeah, this is a noteworthy film. It is unique. Yeah. Uh, if you live in Los Angeles, go up to Cinephile Video. It's in their HFS section. Yeah. HFS calls for holy fucking holy shit. Fucking I think shit, every yeah. video store, and I know there are many anymore, but there mm. should be. Every video store should have a holy fucking shit section. Just like things that are so off the wall. Like you can't so believe fo- this yeah. is a real movie. So, so off center that they're off the disc alt entirely. Yep. Great section. I'm glad it exists. And once yeah, once you've so, seen as many movies as Whitney and I have, you appreciate the extremes. Yeah, like the extreme is basically just like, okay, that got me back to normal. Yeah, I can go like, back to watching mediocre Hollywood stuff for another month. Yeah, you, you need to remind yourself where your edges are, and, <laughs> yeah. and, as, and the more movies you see, the further out those edges go. So you appreciate yeah. these just completely bonkers, batshit bananas movies. Um, when it came time to find a double feature for elves, mm-hmm. the obvious pick was Gremlins. 
Well, there's gremlins because yeah, elves. It's, it's clearly gremlins. Not. Munchies, ghoulies. There was this uh, entire wave following gremlins, and I think a little before even of homunculus horror. Essentially, little tiny monsters. Yeah, gremlins uh, was came out around the time of the same bunch of other yeah. similar ones. Critters came out around the Critter, same time. Yeah, Critters as well. Puppet um, Master. Uh, yeah. uh, Charles Band exists because of this wave, yeah. and uh, most of them. <clears throat> I'll be I'll be perfectly honest. <clears throat> most of them aren't as good as gremlins. Gremlins is probably the best little and, monster movie, and none of them are as good as gremlins too. Which Gremlin- <laughs> which kind of closed off that trend a little I, bit. I would argue, just to give credit where credit is due, uh-huh. I think Gremlins is, A, it's it's wonderful. It's got great characters. It's wonderfully filmed. The monsters are actually kind of creepy, but in a fun way. Because yeah, although they're, yeah. they're a threat, they're also fun to like throw a, in a microwave. and like yeah, it's, s- Silly, crazy monsters. Yeah. They feed one into a paper shredder. It's, yeah, it's one fun. of the great movies that takes the piss out of not just Christmas, but the idea of that sort of wholesome Americana that we mm. equate with Christmas. Mm-hmm. Basically, every Gremlin- Gremlins was supposed to be about little monsters attacking Frank Capra's town from It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. If it was done today, it would be about Gremlins attacking the town from a Hallmark movie. Uh, if, if they were to I would actually take love, the same spirit. I yeah. would love to do a movie that's done exactly like a Hallmark movie, mm-hmm. but there's a monster killing people. There you go. That would be a great movie. That'd be a lot of fun. We'd all recognize what it's doing immediately, and then we'd be on board with it. But Gremlins, again, classic, but it's been done to death, and we decided to go a different direction. Someone who understands that kind of wicked, fun sense of morbidity is filmmaker Michael Doherty. Michael Doherty is best known... Uh, mm. For directing the Halloween movie mm. Trick or Treat, Trick, which is an Trick, anthology film. Trick or Treat, yeah. Um, it's an anthology horror film, stars a lot of cool people Anna Paquin, yeah. Brian Cox, Dylan yeah, yeah. Baker. Um, it's a lot, and, a lot of, yeah, and it's it's an anthology series. It's, it's got a lot of little tiny stories that all end up interconnecting in interesting ways. And all take place on uh, Halloween yeah. night. Some are better than others, mm. but the good ones are so good, and yeah. the movie is great. Uh, but what I appreciate most about Trick or Treat is that sense of humor that when somebody is murdered, you're kind of laughing a little bit. There's a Tales from the Crypt sensibility to that. Uh, A sense of humor is something elves could have used. Yeah. Just so it's like about, an actual sense of humor, yeah, not yeah. like whatever. I think it's going for maybe a dark sense of humor, but whoever it did say, does no, it yeah. isn't funny. Because um, they're bits like the whole bit with Dan Haggerty holding a guy at gunpoint and telling his telling a guy to tell him about Nazi elves mm. right in front of the guy's kids, and they keep cutting back to the kids. Uh-huh. I think that's clearly they know there's a there's a joke in there somewhere, yeah. but instead of actually being funny, it actually looks like it's just upsetting the kids. Yeah, yeah. and that's not really a thing. So he understands. Sort of that holidays and holiday stories have a sort of fable-like quality to them Mm -hmm. that you can totally take the piss out of, not unlike Gremlins. We didn't want to do Trick or Treat because it's a Halloween movie, but fortunately, Michael Doherty did a film that is a little less popular, but no less good. In fact, it's really good. I I, I rewatched it. It's so great. Uh, It is a movie called Krampus. Uh, there, this was not the first film appearance of the Krampus. Uh, the Krampus it goes back to you know, folklore, like um, old, old ancient folklore, and it was uh, sort basically of like evil Santa. Evil Santa is like this, yeah, dark counterpoint to Santa. It was it, this big uh, in illustrations depicted as kind of like a, a satyr, mm-hmm. like a goat being, mm-hmm. got horns, that, yeah, that yeah. would sneak into your house and steal children, yeah. kidnap children. Really sucks. You, you like a long, long evil tongue. Yeah, um, Krampus. Um, Started to get really hip, like in sort of outsider hipster circles for a little bit. Mm-hmm. People who were bitter about Christmas started to say, "No, we're not going to have a Christmas party. We're going to have a Krampus knock." I feel like the one. I feel like and, the one uh, that the the show that actually like blew the lid off Krampus and made it kind of hip mm-hmm. was Venture Brothers. They did a Christmas oh, special where the Krampus showed up, and that's, I think yeah, that was where time, a lot of people were like, "Oh, that's a fun thing." Let's I think by by the time it reached the Venture Brothers, like Archie McPhee was already selling out of all of their Krampus stuff. So your Krampus um, started to go the way of Bacon, <laughs> and, yeah, a little yeah, overexposed, a, l- a little too much. Like, By the you know, time you were making bacon cupcakes, or, I was right, like, right, you know what? I'm done. Right now, it's shitting unicorns. Strangely enough, <laughs> like uni- unicorn poop is everywhere now. It's so weird. I almost got someone as like a gag Christmas uh-huh. gift this year. I was at a I was at a, a Rite Aid, uh-huh. you know, a um, pharmacy we have over here, and I'm not sure how far the chain goes. Mm. Um, but uh, they had in the toy section. A like a little gun that shoots like little tiny like Nerf balls, uh-huh. but instead of it being a gun, it was a unicorn, and they came out of its butt. Yeah, pooping unicorns. Pooping unicorns. For the poop emoji made defecation hip, I guess, and yeah. uh, and somehow unicorns blended with that. Yeah, 
And now, now so they're making like, a rainbow, and all of a sudden it's unicorn poop. <laughs> and, and there's this weird. I, I have a young child, so I I'm love looking, that we're on this tangent. I, you know, I'm going to toy stores, and I'm seeing that toys are still aggressively gendered, which pisses me off. Yeah, uh, really, really needs to stop like, doing that. And you can do slime, and there's just like green, gross slime for boys, and then they call it like unicorn slime for girls, uh-huh. and it's like purple and pink. Yeah, same thing. It's just slime. Well, they have a, they have, and a, they're still selling. Oh, it's really gross, but this is. Unicorn slime. You know, they have uh, um, pudding cups that are different colors. Mm. And uh, we got one just on a lark that was like unicorn pudding. And Uh it was like pink and purple and pastel. I I got unicorn uh, vanilla flavored cookie morsel. Well, I was going somewhere there. So the unicorn one is actually, Mm. it's actually sweet. It's like frosting. It's good. Like it's it's a treat. It's a dessert. Yeah. We couldn't find it again, and so we took a chance on like dragon pudding, which was red and green. And it was all tart. Huh. Like, it was like, no, yeah, boys aren't going to like anything that's sweet and delicious. Make it unpleasant. <laughs> like, because we're dragons, because they're tough. Boys need to be toughened up. Oh, God. Anyway, Krampus. The plot of Krampus. Yeah, uh, Michael Doherty's Pooping Unicorn movie is coming next. But uh, Krampus, Krampus is a movie. In 2015, he made Krampus, which is a movie that was right in the middle of the Krampus wave. Mm-hmm. And it is about the Krampus. It's about a horrible family, just like in Elves. Yeah. It's the Christmas season, just like in Elves. We open the film on a, a stampede through a big box Target-like store, mm-hmm. so this is already a very bitter film about the Christmas season. Yeah, everyone's punching each other in slow motion, and they're playing It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, yeah, memory yeah. serves. And, uh, yeah, so it's all about, like, okay, Christmas is kind of fucked up. I think we can all agree on this. And then we see uh, the family come home, and the vast majority of the film takes place all in their house. Yeah. Big bourgeois house. Uh, uh, the parents are played by Adam Scott and Tony Collette. Who are uh, both great. They're, they're super awesome. I remember when I heard that, like, Tony Collette was in this movie. I'm like, oh, that went from being okay to being a must-see. Wait, I wait, see this. Where'd all that credibility come from? It yeah, came from Tony Collette. <laughs> Tony Collette. one of the best actors alive. Um, they play parents, and, like, uh, they, have a, they have a young son who still believes in Santa. Mm-hmm. Even though he's getting a little old for it. He's, like, he's 12. Like, he's, like, 11 or 12. He's, like, 11 or 12. Everyone, Santa, everyone yeah. agrees he's pushing it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he's encouraged by uh, Adam Scott's Hungarian mother. The little kid's grandmother, who still argues that Santa is real, and if not real per se, then believing in Santa is the same as believing in the spirit of Christmas, which is just mm. as important. Um, their family, Tony Collette's family, I guess, uh, is uh, played by uh, you got David Keckner, who always plays the same character. He's basically playing that guy from uh, the sports guy from uh, mm. Anchorman. Yeah, it's it's what you want him for. It's what he's good at. David Kickner is quite funny. Uh, you've seen? Th- have you seen? Thank you for smoking. Actually, I haven't seen that one. Okay, yeah, uh, it was it was uh, David Kickner, Maria Bello, and Aaron Eckhart are the uh, masters of uh, guns, uh, gu- alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Yeah, yeah, it, respectively, and they just get together and talk about their industry in a few scenes. They're like the this cute little enclave of death. Yeah, nice. Mm. Um, uh, quite, but, a, quite a good movie. I but like they're, they're basically playing the Randy Quaid family from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Mm. They show up in a big camper full of guns. Mm. Uh, their kids are monsters who uh, completely betray our young hero's uh, sense of privacy when they take his letter to Santa Claus and read it out loud at the table. Mm. And everyone just hates each other. Everyone's mad. And the little kid who had written to Santa Claus, and his letter was actually very sweet. Uh-huh. He was just like, dear Santa, I don't know if you, all this stuff. I don't really want anything. I just wish my family could love each other because it's kind of hell right now. Uh-huh. And um, when everything betrays him, his entire family betrays him, he writes, he throws away that letter. He yeah. tears it up, throws it out the window. The pieces float away. Yeah, not unlike Mary Poppins, but instead of bringing a magical character who's going to fix all their problems, he brings evil Santa. Uh, uh, Which is, I gotta say, one of the more impressive movie monsters from the last decade. You know what's great about this movie monster? You can Mm. read him in silhouette. You can read them, which they say that's a, a good thing to do with character design and animation. Yeah. If, if you're going to animate a character, make sure, even with no color, you can tell who they are. That's good in video games yeah. as well, because you need to read people yeah, yeah. on camera. The the Krampus, and we n- almost never get a good look at him. 
There's like right there's, at the end we get a slightly good look at. There's it. a close up, but it, in a weird, it's wearing a mask, which it, is really it's peculiar. wearing a, yeah. it's wearing a human face that's not its own. Yeah, yeah. Fuck up. <laughs> it's really really scary. It's a giant hulking creature. It looks it, it, it looks kind of like a minotaur. It, yeah, it's like nine feet tall, it's but huge. it's got like a Santa cloak on it that's mm. hiding its features. But it's got these gigantic uh, black Philip horns as well. Yeah, and it's got uh, cloven hooves, mm. and it's huge. And the first time we see it, it's on a rooftop, and it jumps from rooftop to rooftop and it's like crunching things in its feet mm. so the, the next day they, they awake and the entire town is shrouded um, in frost like mm. it's there's been a snowstorm no one can go anywhere um, all of the power is out and all of the neighbors are either out for the holidays or suspiciously missing it, it, they're Suspiciously missing. They've, yeah, they're just gone. Well, they say they say like, well, no, the Johnsons, the Johnsons went to Hawaii for the Christmas as yeah. usual. Like that's like a the, mis- the yeah. entire neighborhood is empty. Yeah, it's and, like uh, oh, oh, what was it? Uh, don't breathe. Yeah, that, that Detroit neighborhood and don't breathe, where there's just one occupied house in this yeah. huge neighborhood. Theoretically, you yeah. leave the house, you should be safe, but in actuality, no. Um, and so one of them decides to like her boyfriend lives a couple of blocks away, and she's told uh-huh. it's okay to go visit him, make sure he's okay. Uh, but she sees the Krampus, and the Krampus attacks her. And then um, the two dads, Adam Scott and David Keckner, they mm. get into the camper to try to, you know, find help. Mm. And they're also attacked. They're attacked by, like, a graboid in the snow, which is, <laughs> you never get a good look at, but just something in the snow. Oh. And you start realizing that all the Christmas iconography is being weaponized by the Krampus mm-hmm. to destroy them. So, so we've got... Like an evil toys that the jack-in-the-box freaks me the fuck out. The jack-in-the-box is fucked up. Because mm-hmm. first off, it's a giant jack-in-the-box. And it's and it can talk and everything like that. It's really creepy. It doesn't talk. It like screeches. Yeah. But um, and it's got this weird like predator mouth mm-hmm. that is like super like instead of being like wooden, it's like super organic underneath the woods. It's super gross. And it swallows you. And it's got like this weird larval sack <laughs> attached to uh, it that like can keep it's, like your. It's uh. a it's a Santa sack, but yeah, it feels like this weird biological thing. It's yeah. really kind of sick. There's a teddy bear with giant shark teeth that is like jumps up and grabs you. There's a whole bunch of like evil ginger. Red men that are kind of funny until they start trying to kill you, then they're actually really fucked up. Yeah, Michael Doherty was was careful to design these things to look like monsters. Yeah, uh, Krampus is kind of mercifully uh, low on winking irony. Uh, it, it's it has, visually ironic because vi- a lot of these characters yeah. are subversive, but the it's actual vi- movie visually is... ironic. But yeah, the actual tone of the movie, uh, like it does have a sense of humor, and it does kind. Of, it is kind of. They know uh, it's a little ridiculous. It's a little yeah. ridiculous, but it's also like, like I said, tales from the crypty, like wicked kind of fun. Like mm-hmm. we're taking a little bit too much glee in the mayhem. Well, it's a moral stance. We're yeah. we're taught to, if not hate all these characters, at least completely disapprove of them, mm. so that they deserve what they get. But by the time they're getting it, they've been humanized enough because they're victims mm. that we feel bad for them. Yeah, and that's what makes it more than just a silly horror comedy about people getting killed by Christmas mm. stuff. It's mm. actually a good horror movie that happens to be funny. So, you know, hereditary knives out. Tony Collette loves lording over really horrendous families. <sighs> Little Miss Sunshine. <laughs> she, yeah. she plays like ma- matriarchs of bad families in several films. Oh, she's such a great actor. She is a great actor. I, her performance, like hereditary, I'm not as big on hereditary as a lot of other people. It's still a really good movie. Her performance is one of the she, best yeah. performances of the decade. She period. is amazing in that movie. The dream period. sequence alone is, oh. is enough to just really. No, get the dinner skin. sequence. She's like, oh yeah, where she just freaks out. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, she's good. She got so screwed out of an Oscar nomination for that. She should have won for Hereditary. Should have at least been nominated. That's some fucked up shit. It's one of the best performances. Seriously, the day of of her already amazingly impressive career. God, she's good. But everyone's good in this. Like even people who are traditionally known for comedies, like Adam Scott. He's really genuine. Yeah. I like him. He's playing like a somewhat sarcastic character because that's what he does. But when he's trying to connect with his son, he's very earnest. Mm. Um, yeah, it's very, very effective. It gets scarier and scarier and scarier. Mm. Uh, as time goes on, the threat gets bigger and bigger. People die. Mm. And the ending it, it has is a, really great. It has a really wonderful, well, uh, it has a really wonderful kind of Twilight Zone ending. And it kind of goes, to, I don't want to reveal it. No, I, it's not worth it. Let's, let's too, not reveal it. It's too recent a movie to, it's, and it's, it's a, something yeah, it's that's a, readily available so everyone can It's a 2015 it. film, and it's not popular enough that we can just sort of openly discuss what happens. Nor, we can is, say nor, that is, it, nor is it like a selling point to tell like, you what happens, like elves. I, I already said Twilight Zone. That might have already been saying too much. But um, 
it does go to explain a lot of what's going on. It goes to explain sort of the nature of the Krampus in an interesting sort of way. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and it ends with like some really a really good visual. Yeah. Uh, and that's all I'm going to say. Uh, a lot of people said that ending was really unsatisfying. That it was not uh, you, not enough like a typical monster movie, I guess, where yeah. they either best the monster or the monster just eats them or whatever. I'm mm-hmm. not sure exactly what they're looking for. It's not typical. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's fine. I think it actually fits in with what was going on throughout this whole movie. What with its Christmas iconography, yeah, and its dark mirror of. I use that phrase a lot, uh, of sort of, yeah, warm Hollywood, uh, Christmas traditions. Uh, I mean, I I think... Instead of of Santa coming down and giving you toys and and treats, it's the Krampus coming down giving you death monsters. I am... And it it all stems from the same stuff, but it's A, a parody, but at the same time is drawing on sort of older traditions because, uh, because of our familiarity with the Krampus. It feels like... This is just as much Christmas as anything else. Well, yeah, that's something I was. I think mm. is really interesting about it. I interviewed Michael Doherty about mm. this when it came out, and um, I right after I'd had my car accident, it was like my first junket I'd done. Oh, my no. leg was in this horrible brace, and I uh, couldn't sit in any of the chairs. For, like, oh the no! So they all came out terrible. But um, I remember asking him. I haven't rewatched it. I'm trying to remember his exact quote, but I remember right. asking him if the Krampus is real, which it is. That's the whole point of the movie. Yeah. It stands to reason that Santa is real, mm. and if Santa is real. How does he feel about the Krampus? Well, they're friends. Well, the, clearly, clearly he, they'd hang out. He didn't say they were friends, yeah. but the implication was that they understand that they are part of like a unit. Yeah, they balance you need, one another. You need yeah. both, and so Santa would, of course, maybe not approve of the Krampus, but the Santa would be yeah. part of the Krampus, and so, like they would be part of that mm. world. So, um, Krampus. Um, it's <laughs> it's such a good movie about like family get-togethers. Like I actually prefer this as a movie about family get-togethers going awry to Christmas Vacation, which I know a lot of people consider the yeah. gold standard. I think when that movie is on fire, it's brilliant, <laughs> and when it's not, it's just not very funny. Yeah. Well, uh, the the idea of the family snipping at each other. We we mentioned this on our monthly movie podcast. Uh, Stories about the Christmas season that are about sort of the stress of the holidays mm-hmm. only serve to compound the stress that I'm facing in the real world. Right. They don't offer me, like, uh, something I can recognize and something where I'm allowed to kind of, ah, oh, it's nice that somebody else suffers the same way I do. It just <laughs> makes me stress, stressed out even more. I, I feel like that's why Christmas Vacation does work in the end, though, is because it's much like... Because it's very much well, pattern off of the... Ultimately becomes sort of a fantasy where he gets to win. Yeah, well, it's not even winning. It's because... It's sort of like, you know, at the end of National Lampoon's Vacation, mm. how they get to Wally World and he just has a breakdown yeah. and it gets weirdly criminal. Yeah, like, yeah. It, and he does that in, in Christmas Vacation, too. But in Christmas Vacation, I feel like it's earned a little bit more. Like, his, his complete meltdown uh-huh. at the end of Christmas Vacation is cathartic in a way yeah. that even, I think even National Lampoon's Vacation isn't. Mm. Because, because we understand his stresses, because we have... When you're a kid, you understand it academically. As an adult, and you're actually trying to put together a holiday while doing your job, while worrying about money, while trying to keep everyone happy, while actually trying to have a good time because everyone around you is like, hey, you know, you're missing Christmas. I know. I'm trying to make it happen. Like, my mom went through that. My dad went through that. I go through that to a different extent. I don't have kids, but I can only imagine how much more stressful it would be. His meltdown is cathartic, I feel, at the end. And I feel like... Krampus is kind of like that meltdown, but the meltdown is represented by a monster, and it's mm. basically, it goes on so long that it becomes a kind of horrifying abuse of this family that yeah, yeah. clearly deserved comeuppance of some kind, but maybe this is too extreme, and I think it's fair to say that it is, and that's yeah. what makes it a horror movie and not a comedy, mm. ultimately. Ultimately. It's, it's it's vaguely comedic, but yeah, it's kind of a horror movie. Yeah. Uh, Michael, yeah, Michael Doherty did Trick or Treat, he did Krampus. Uh, his next big feature film was the latest Godzilla film, uh-huh. which weirdly I think is his weakest flick. Um, Story-wise, yeah, there's some really good monster stuff in it, there's, though. Like, yeah, some really cool monster fights, and all that good, stuff is great. There's some good monster stuff in it. I feel like Michael Doherty, um, even though I've only seen three movies of his, yeah. uh, might be one of those filmmakers who's more interesting when he's dealing with uh, more strictures. 
and mm. more constraints in terms of like budget and ideas. Yeah. When I, he was just sort of allowed to play in the open, I think his film ended up having a lot less personality. You know, here's some of the other films that Michael Doherty is credited with uh, writing He's, or co-writing. Yeah, he, he, worked uh, he, did, on, he worked on a lot of big blockbusters. He worked on yeah. X-Men 2, which is mostly a well-written film. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say. He didn't, he didn't write that one solo, but uh, he worked on, I actually never saw this, Urban Legends Bloody Mary. Oh, that's the third one. Right? I've actually yeah. never I saw seen the first two. I've never seen any of the Urban Legend films all the way through. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, so we could probably get to that at some yeah. point on the two shot and do that whole franchise someday. Um, he uh, worked on Superman Returns, which is a movie that I feel is somewhat underrated, uh-huh. but certainly not the ideal Superman movie. Uh, and he has a story credit, so who the hell knows how much credit he actually uh-huh. has on X Men Apocalypse, which sucks. Yeah, it's a bad movie it's, in every reasonable I, way. X Men, which is X Men Eight, is X Men Apocalypse yeah. better or worse than Dark Phoenix? It's be- they're, right? they're both they're both pretty rotten. They're both uh, really bad in kind of yeah. the same ways. Yeah, I, I guess X Men Apocalypse like has more interesting visuals, but it has like such a weird moral. It's like oh, and Magneto, we just have different ideas. That's always been this like mm-hmm. the, the most interesting wrinkle in the X Men series is that it, it's ultimately a battle of ideas rather than just good guys and bad guys and villains of the week. Yeah. And that one, X, X-Men 8, was just about a villain of the week. Right. And who, like, used his superpowers to turn Magneto into this horrendous killer that was, like, literally destroying cities. Yeah, but and then the they very, always forgive the him end, at the end. At the very end, they let him off the hook anyway, even though he probably murdered thousands and thousands of people. By the end of Apocalypse, he probably earned, earned killed millions. Like, yeah. it's, it's would not be unreasonable to assume. No. And it's just like, fuck it, yeah. give him a Give him a park where yeah. he gets to live with all his friends. And we'll mention in the credits that it was Genosha and never get around. What? You can't no. do that. <laughs> it's so terrible. And then Dark, and then Dark Phoenix, it feels like such an afterthought, Dark Phoenix. It oh, feels cheap even though it wasn't. I know. Yeah, it feels like it had a really, really low budget even like, though it was feels, actually this big expensive movie. It feels kind of made for TV. Yeah. You know, was, yeah oh, anyway, we're off, track, we're off the beaten path. But well, but, no, we're not. We're talking about well, the work of this filmmaker. Well, not Dark, not Dark Phoenix wasn't, but well, all right. I guess not. Um, but uh, yeah, Krampus... Is Krampus made money? It wasn't a huge hit, but it made money. But it's it, kind it, it of have left a, the conversation of Christmas movies pretty quick. Uh, it did get a big push from the horror community. Uh, the horror community knows a good horror film when they see it, and they tend to rally. Uh, in, Usually, in, in, t- typically, so, sometimes in a pretty meaningful kind of way. But yeah. you know, you go to like a Fango convention, and you're going to hear a lot of people talking about like. Uh, uh, what's that Japanese zombie movie that came out this year? Tran- no, uh, oh. one, one cut of the dead. One cut of the dead. It's like was getting a lot. Pardon? That was Japanese, right? Japanese film. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Actually, I haven't seen that one. Or, or they're talking about Hagazusa. You know, these kind mm. of things that are really obscure to a lot of mainstream audiences are the hits in the horror movie community. And there's a lot of people who are constantly pushing these movies because horror junkies are constantly looking for the next great thing and yeah. uh, even even more passionately than other kinds of nerds mm, we're very eager yeah. to to celebrate the new yeah unless unless well hmm. we'll talk about the black christmas controversy another time like, oh, we're well. not we're not going to celebrate that for trying new things for reasons that aren't very flattering um, but uh, yeah, this movie again, it's got a bit of a cult, mm-hmm. but I do think it's only a matter of time before it's at least as appreciated. Yeah, maybe not as much as Gremlins. Maybe Gremlins is too high a watermark, but I do believe it at least belongs in the conversation alongside films like Silent Night, Deadly Night, yeah. which are somewhat famous, somewhat notorious. People know about them, mm-hmm. and hopefully they get around to them because they're actually quite good. And Krampus is a very slick, very fun, often very funny, but. Because the characters are taken seriously enough by the end, mm-hmm. actually kind of scary and effective horror movie. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, if it's not too and, late, and I, and I, I hope like you the, see it this year. And I like the ending. I think the ending is really good. I think the ending's great. Uh-huh. All right, so that is it for the two shot. Thank you very, very much for listening to the two shot. Uh, be sure, if you're not listening to the other stuff on the Schmozo Network, please do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be back next week with all of the Police Academy movies, because you demanded it. <laughs> I haven't seen any of these things since like 1993, so this is going to be a weird... Weird, oh boy! So a you weird mamma jamma for me. You haven't seen the sixth or the seventh, then? I don't think I have. Right. I, I think I saw some of Mission to Moscow. That's the seventh one. Yeah. Okay, so I, whenever whenever that came out, I saw like some do, of that. Do, do or you I remember saw, like, Russian Ron Perlman? Because Ron Perlman's in that. I one. don't think I knew who Ron Perlman was when I saw it. Oh, okay. Like yeah. I, I might have recognized them, but I wouldn't know his name. Oh, okay. Um. So anyway, meh. Uh, but I, I, need, I need to re. It's been a little second. The Police Academy movies were a big part of my childhood. Uh huh. 
big, brash, dumb, crass comedy films were par for the course in the 80s, mm-hmm. and it's the one element of the 80s that we don't seem to have nostalgia for. Mm-hmm. There's a few. There's like your, your Caddyshack or your, uh, your Stripes or your, your Ghostbusters that yeah, there's a people, handful. people have Even Ghostbusters around. wasn't that crass. Uh, no, the Caddyshack but, was pretty And indeed, crass. I think a lot of people latch on to sort of the fantasy elements of Ghostbusters with the sense of humor and not yeah. the fact that it's a comedy film. There's your police academies, there's your John Candy films, there's your Bob Goldthwaite films, there's your Jim Belushi films, all these films from the 80s, you know, 80s up to the late 80s. These comedy films that are just totally forgotten. People do not discuss these films at all. And these were the ones, your Three and a Man and a Baby was the highest grossing film of 1987. Oh, yeah. It had a sequel. It was a big hit, too. Where's the nostalgia? Where's, like, your Funko Pops of that? Nobody cares because we're really fantasy oriented right now. So we're going back to the fantasy I, films of I, the '80s to choose to have. I think it's only a matter of time before they do a Three Men and the Baby, like a new TV series or something. Like Maybe, but I think we're gonna move on. I think I think we're running out of '80s nostalgia stuff, and we're gonna we're starting to hit the '90s. I think we're gonna get hit it even harder. Well, I mean, we're just they did two Jumanji films. That's '90s nostalgia. They're bringing back Space Jam for no. I know. Like sake. I think I think we're gonna. My point is, I think we're gonna really start mining it hard. Yeah. Would there have been a few nostalgia '90s movies? I think we're really gonna start hitting it really really hard and then I'm really curious is when we start getting to the 2000s because other than like Harry Potter which broke out in that time and and Lord of the Rings too well but um, that was from an earlier property that's my point my point Lord of the Rings was already a thing Harry Potter came out in the late 90s and really hit the pop culture really hard in the early 2000s once we hit the 2000s the stuff we have nostalgia for, a lot of it is going to be remakes of stuff we already had nostalgia for. Mm. Whereas there is new stuff, but there's less well, of I, it. I'm waiting for uh, the first, and I thought that we had this with Jigsaw, which was the eighth mm. Saw film. Yeah. But it turned out that was just a straight sequel. Uh, yeah. I thought it was a reboot because they changed the name. They wanted it to be a soft reboot uh, where so, like they can kind of separate it from the original, but, but it also took place in canon. Correct me on this, you or any of our listeners, if yeah. you're listening, has there been a proper reboot, not a sequel, has there been a reboot or a remake of something that started after the explosion of the internet in the early 2000s? Because I had a theory that all of this nostalgia is a way to keep the world clean after the internet kind of scattered culture in a way. Well, This kind of blurring effect on popular culture. And all of the nostalgia properties, all the remakes are from before this happened, before the internet kind of shattered everything. Right. So I'm waiting to see if it... I'm guessing it won't happen. Oh, My theory is that it will case. not happen. That there's no. there's not going to be some sort of pop property that we're going to revisit. I don't buy that. Post the explosion of the internet. Now, no, I don't buy. I, I uh, think it's only a matter of time okay. on that. I mean, like I'm trying to think of like the first thing that comes to mind are all the different versions of Fantastic Four. But of course, it's based on a comic book. Yeah, yeah. So that's not the that's not the same thing. Yeah. Um. There's the uh, there's the reboot of Hellboy, but of course that was also oh, based on a comic what? book. They actually this is a completely obscure, but they did remake Cabin Fever. Which I think I think the original came out in like two thousand six. That's or something. true. That's true. That was a remake from something from the two thousand. Yeah. Uh, Hitman Agent Forty Seven was a reboot of that, but I think the first that was a video, video game, game was wasn't a, it? it no. was a video game, but I think the video game was at least late nineties. Well, I'm not talking about adaptations. I'm talking about reboots. Oh, like, a, like well, an, reboots like can be of adaptations though. Like, yeah, but like we 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 oh, so rebooted Spider Man a couple of times. Hitman, and there was another Hitman. You're saying that counts yeah. as a reboot? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. They okay. rebooted Hitman. Um, because I guess they couldn't get Timothy Oliphant back, but whatever. I don't know. Who's on to Justified? I don't know what I can do with that. Um, also, sorry about that. My neighbors are doing laundry. I hope it doesn't pick up too much. Oh yeah, there's, there's only so much background can do. noise here. There's that's only not, so much. That's we can not do. your computer. That's that's ambient noise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah I'd, I'd love, to love to hear some letters from people like yeah about let us know. So, something where they're trying to bank on nostalgia from something well, that was new. Not an adaptation, not a video game adaptation. Something that was new in the early 2000s, I, I or at least know. came to prominence in the early 2000s. I, I don't know if it needs necessarily bank on nostalgia. Really? I think it just needs to be a remake or a reboot that is capitalizing off of the awareness of the original. It doesn't necessarily need to be nostalgia per se, but just yeah. like clearly there's value in this property. Mm-hmm. We tried it for the first time in the 2000s. Yeah. In the early 2000s, and or, or the late 2000s, I guess mm-hmm. is even possible. 
and now we're doing it again. And again, yeah, if it's adi- if it's adapted from a comic book that started in the '60s, it doesn't count. Yeah, Saw and like and that one obscure Cabin Fever is the only thing I was able to think of. And I'm yeah. sure there's more that I just can't think of right now. I, but I, I feel like there's got to have been like a, a remake. Yeah, you, or you can write in. Somewhere. You can hit us up on Twitter. Uh, yeah. yeah, just let let us know what your pop culture map points to. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, by all means, uh, send us an email. Those emails we have our own email mm-hmm. podcast over at the Critically Acclaimed Network, mm-hmm. where we have all of our other shows. Uh, the podcast is called We've Got Mail. comes out every Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, although we might take a break for the holidays. And, uh, yeah, uh, that's letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. That's the email address. You can uh-huh. also check out uh, our reviews of uh, Star Wars are up there now. Our reviews of uh, Cats are up there <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. We've got uh, a review of uh, if you thought Jojo Rabbit was an interesting movie mm-hmm. about uh, uh, Nazis speaking of elves. Uh, we have a review episode of Cancel Too Soon talking about a failed sitcom mm-hmm. about Adolf Hitler called Heil Honey, I'm Home, which is one of the most <laughs> fascinating yeah, yeah, TV yeah. artifacts in history. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we've got other stuff is there as well. we got our, our Patreon, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. We just mm-hmm. uh, uh, released an episode uh, about several of the TV movie remakes of Miracle on 34th Street. Some of them handle the story even better than the original classic movie. And we'll talk about how that works. They each have strengths and weaknesses, and you get to sort of Frankenstein them together a little bit. Yeah, at the end of the movie, we come up with our ideal Miracle on 34th Street, which is a combination of at least four different versions of that movie, which we'll all talk about in that show. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have episodes of All Our Yesterdays, which is our Star Trek podcast. We're reviewing every single Star Trek episode in production order. Recently, we had Scott Mance on there, if you're Mm -hmm. a fan of uh, his work at Collider and beyond. Um, and we have a new episode uh, about the Squire of Gothos, which is a classic episode. <laughs> um, we have uh, upcoming episodes of our commentary tracks. We have upcoming episodes of our Oscars podcast, Only the Best. It's really a lot going on over there, and we're very <laughs> grateful to everyone who subscribes. Uh, and if you can afford to help us out, we sure would appreciate it. If not, thank you very much for listening. By all yeah. means, that's that means the just, world just to us. Be, being here is good. Uh, if you're listening to this before the holiday, we again, not sure when this is coming out. Have a happy holiday, whatever you whatever you celebrate, even if you're celebrating a day off. And if you don't have a day off, I especially hope you have a happy holiday, because that's rough. Uh, that's the, rough. The, the, Everyone the, else the, is expected to be at home, and you have to work. And people have uh, to work. As somebody who's spent his entire life working in movie theaters, yeah, have some sympathy for those people who work at movie theaters. People, people work, mo- movie theaters are open 365 days a year. Anything that's yeah. open 365 days a year, someone's working on a holiday, that holiday sucks. It yeah. sucks for a variety of reasons. Leave them an extra tip if you can. Have an extra yeah. smile. Just cut them some slack because it's a rough. It's rough for everybody. Yeah, yeah. In fact, it's rough for everybody is a mm-hmm. lesson I keep learning in life, and I think it's important to remember. Just remember, uh, be kind to one another. Have mm-hmm. a good time. Repre- love your family. Watch good movies. Appreciate bad movies. <laughs> and um, I guess that's about that. So thank you everybody for listening. And cut. <laughs>